0: Before we start this podcast, we would like to take the opportunity to mention that we now have a Patreon page where you can help to support, evolve and continue these compassionate conversations. Please visit patreon.com slash dialogues for more information. Listen! Welcome everyone to the Voce Dialogues, Voices of Compassionate Evolution. I'm Chloe Goodchild, founder of The Naked Voice, and this is our new online community where we are exploring, deepening and evolving our awareness of the transforming power of compassion. Enjoy these new dialogues with a wide range of artists, musicians, writers and philosophers, social entrepreneurs and sacred activists. They are all visionaries, transforming lives through the art of conscious creative expression with practices inspired by their own unique life experience. The Voce Dialogues are dedicated to the compassionate evolution of life on Earth. Well, welcome everyone to this virtual Dialogues with Christine Stevens. I am just so excited. Big welcome to you. Thank you so much. Christine and I, we've known each other quite a while, haven't we? We were just remembering yeah. that we met at a dinner party in San Francisco. Many of you, of course, will know Christine. She loves to say, the drum is my peace pole." Christine is the founder of Upbeat Drum Circles. She's a featured speaker at the Yosemite Peace Conference and the Rotary Peace e Club. In 2005, she led the first drum circle training for peace in the war zone of Iraq. She has since created drum programs with refugees from Iraq. Last year, her online course, Awaken Your Rhythm, with the Shift Network, united over 600 people from 37 countries. And her latest project, the Global Rhythm Sangha, features master teachers from the world cultures each month for a whole year. But Christine, it's just really a great, great joy to share this conversation around your voice of compassion and what compassion means for you, how it's shown up in your life, and obviously specifically how the drum entered your life.
1: Hmm. Thank you so much um, for having this consciousness around the topic that you're intending for our, our conversation point. It's a powerful internal place for me, compassion. And especially because as musicians, a lot of times we have learned music and we haven't always had a positive experience with ourselves and we become too much sometimes focused on outcomes or performance. And this even just self-compassion with your own playing of music and your own sounding is an important place to start. And so and with that, I want to put my hand in my heart and connect to the inner drum, which we all have. Everyone is born a drummer. Lovely. We began life listening to the heartbeat of our mother. And so that pulse, we were, I like to say we were all incubated in rhythm. A friend of mine, Judy from Canada, always says, the drum is an evolutionary driver. And Judy Atkinson, I just really love that phrase, or that it's a call to the heart. This is a great rebranding of the drum, which too often was related to just male energy or performance or, you know, that kind of a call to war. Mm -hmm. So my work in peace building, as yours, is really bringing a tool of rhythm to humanity for the the universal conversation we can all have in rhythm. In my experience in Iraq and working with refugees, I thought about the word compassion a lot and I thought, my experience of compassion—I like to always talk about the science and the spirituality, right? We're bridges of those two fields, um, which are merging. And the spiritual side of it for me in this deep topic is what I feel when I drum with people who are my enemies, you know, according to my culture here in my country. Um, but yet, at the same time, or they are sitting in a circle with those who might be their enemies or we speak in different languages, and I'm thinking of the women's refugee group I work with, with the Iraqi refugee women, and at the same time, there's something that they call in spiritual traditions, unity consciousness, and me, I call it the music bridge, Mm -hmm. and when I'm drumming, and I'm across the circle from someone, and we're drumming, and you probably use the sitting in the circle too, it's just already a powerful form that there's nobody hiding. There's no one in the front of the room. We're all equal in the circle. And when we're sitting and gazing at someone else across the circle, we're drumming together. I experience a sense of unity consciousness, meaning we are one, Mm. you know, I, and then really when you feel that and you're looking at someone with a a hijab and a, you know, their head is covered, their head is scarf is on, and they come from a co- completely different culture. You can't understand a word. You know, the best you can do is say, Shokran, you know, inshallah, mashallah, in these little words. But there's something so profound about that compassion that I have found in myself for the strangers, who the refugees strange. and the warriors who mm-hmm. are coming from the other side of the, of the conflicts from me. Or when I'm working with Palestinian-Israeli and teens, which I did this summer, and bringing them together and having them just keep drumming and notice across a circle, just looking, just gazing. What, what happens when we don't talk is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we have musical dialogues that build peace? I'm interested in that.
0: You demonstrate that so beautifully. We can all benefit from just really seeing, looking at your videos and so on and seeing how you just, your whole body is engaged in just empowering others. It's just like the joy just sort of seems to pour out of you and you just sort of transmit your own embodiment of compassion, I would say. That's what I see. And then across the other side of the circle or wherever you are, it's impossible not to be melted by that, you know, and to to fall in with that. It's, it's, you're touching a kind of level of of wiring, um, human wiring and spiritual human wiring that has been so deeply forgotten, hasn't it, in our Western culture?
1: That's the powerful science is that there is a difference in the brain um, right. between the default network, which is self-absorbed, ruminating, thinking about the past, planning for the future, And that is the default network of the brain. But if we, as we evolve our consciousness through these practices that you teach, that I teach, these embodied practices, Mm. right? I mean, I love to meditate in silence, but I also sing and I drum and I dance and do yoga and in these kind of embodied practices, especially in the healing sound arts. When we do these things, we get into a different brain loop. And Dr. John Borsenko was just presenting on this at a conference I was at in Santa Fe, New Mexico last year. It was the single most uh, powerful science I learned last year was that we then evolve our brain into what they're calling the experiencing or the presence network or the spiritual synapses. And we're actually retraining our circuitry of our brain When we become more compassionate and kind, compassionate, kind, it happens through music making, dancing in a group of people, being with others, being in nature, things that take us out of the default self-absorbed network and bring us into that consciousness of I'm experiencing what's here now, the present moment, and I'm more connected and unified with others. That's where we're going. We're evolving right now. It's a challenging time on the planet. And some would say that, you know, those of us who are on the front line of this, maybe we've been already setting the pathway. We've been carving the trail. We've been doing our own work. It hasn't been easy. (laughs) The drum showed up in my life, not because I chose it. It chose me. And I didn't even think I had rhythm. I almost failed percussion in college, which means it really was meant for me. And when I heard a drum circle the first time, I couldn't, I could not go in the room. I was absorbed by the rhythm and I was absorbed by the kinesthetic feeling of my hand playing the beat. It was so different than, you know, a piano or, you know, just, or sticks on a drum, just that hand skin to skin, animal skin to human skin and feeling free to, to express that. So I would just say that about the science in terms of your topic of compassion is yeah, we're, we're really understanding the spiritual side
0: of it and the scientific changes in the brain. Absolutely. When did this come in for you? Did it happen upon you? It sounded like it happened upon you at a certain age that you suddenly, you know, you just heard something and it touched you in a way like no other? Is it something like that you were saying in college? So what kind of age would that have been?
1: It was actually post, just a little bit after college, because in college, I thought I didn't, couldn't play the drum. I was studying piano and saxophone
0: oh, as part wow.
1: of a the therapy program, and before that, what really happened was I suddenly realized I had a good ear. I didn't know I had it, but I was in high school studying piano, and I was listening to George Winston, and I sat down and played it on the piano perfectly, and that was when I had this aha, like, oh, I have an ear. I have some kind of a gift that I want to develop and I'm not going to develop that by studying this classical music. You know, I'm going to, how am I going to develop this? So I found my way to jazz and then I found my way to music therapy to be of service with music. And then after college, I heard these drums beating in this music therapy conference and I went into the room and just stayed there for the next five hours and met Arthur Hall from Village Music Circles and just started doing drumming in my, music therapy practice with inpatient psych dual diagnosed and then got interested in wellness and was part of this research team at Remo, the world's largest drum company, Mickey Hart supported it where we were actually able to take blood samples before and after an hour of a group drumming protocol and show that drumming as a, in a group experience with a specific protocol that woven breathing and, and exercise and self-expression and spirituality and guided visualization. When we did that protocol with Dr. Barry Bittman, we were able to have the first medical study published in a peer reviewed medical journal with blood samples before and after group drumming showing that it changes our biology to do this for an hour. It reduced stress on a cellular biology level.
0: Oh my god! Yeah. And that was
1: a very, very important study in terms of, and that was 19 years ago and so important mm-hmm. in terms of even being able to go to Iraq. Mm-hmm. I was able to go there because they needed healing and it didn't matter which side of the war you were on. Everybody yeah.
0: was suffering from the trauma. So how did that come about? Say more about that. That'd be fascinating to hear how.
1: Well, I think it happened first in my consciousness of, I remember telling my mentor, Connor Sauer, I said to her, I'm ready for more global work. Mm -hmm. And literally the next week, an email came out of nowhere from Northern Iraq, from a woman who Googled healing peacemaking drum circles and found me. Mm -hmm. And she was running an international relief agency and she noticed that the Kurds and Arabs and Yazidis and everybody all had drumming in common. Mm-hmm. And so she had the brilliant idea to create a training program for five days in northern Iraq, in Sulaymaniyah, mm-hmm. to bring together Arabs, Kurds, Yazidis, and learn together a protocol for peace building through drumming. And then that launched, those individuals became facilitators. Of drum circles, you know, we're always looking for ways to make things sustainable. Right. Mm -hmm. So we went in and trained them. And then they started to lead the Iraqis and the Kurds started to lead drum circles for peace building, Ashti, Salam, in uh, children's centers. So centers for, you know, they're kind of like an after-school program in America. I don't know in England what they have, but this kind of a youth activity center through Kurdistan Save the Children. And what I noticed is that the individuals, it wasn't so much about musical talent. The people that really made it happen were the people that had lived in a place of great need, like Halabja, where 5,000 Kurds died in one day from the anvil uh, attacks of Saddam Hussein. And so we were able to go there the next year and visit Halabja and see what they were doing and how they were convinced that the drum circle is helping with resilience and helping the new generation feel empowered.
0: That says a lot in a place of great trauma. Oh, my goodness. That is absolutely incredible. But as I'm hearing you speak, I'm just really hearing this extraordinary engine of love, of service. What was happening with this energy when you were like um, as a child or as a teenager, how was that showing up at that time? So you you were obviously feeling that music was your way, it sounds like, but you were still being sort of a little bit held in the sort of classical Western tradition at that point. That's very
1: true. And I think for me, That drum circle experience, I couldn't get enough of it. The next 10 years, I was devoted to learning every world percussion I could get my hands on. It started with Doombeck and Rick and Middle Eastern drumming and then djembe and then congas and then frame drum. And I just I flew places and I took classes and I would just immerse myself in the world music tradition of rhythm. And I've always more like kind of been an improviser. I really like you. I just really love what happens in the moment Mm -hmm. and drums really allow improvisation. Mm -hmm. But even, even that, the other way it showed up for me is even in my youth, I wanted to join up with people and I did that for two years Mm -hmm. as a music director for them, which is an international cast that travels and lives with families. And we took the first cast to the former Soviet Union, and we performed in Moscow and St. Petersburg, and it was, it was a really cultural experience. I was in the late 80s, you know, and I really understood that the media was not an actually accurate source of information, because Russian people were coming up to me and hugging me and saying, we love Americans, and I was shocked. I mean, I was completely brainwashed that these people hated me and were going to kill me, you know, and and there Nothing but love, and, and, yeah. and that, I think, was a pivotal experience. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to share about your topic that you've brought me back to in the days that I was working in Iraq is um, because it was really scary, you know, to go there, and, but we're pulled and scared at the same time, and that's okay. You know, when are we going to find the boundaries
0: mm-hmm. of
1: our own compassion for humanity, but in a place where we're a little afraid? That's when I really changed. I knew somehow that going somewhere that I could risk my life for this craft. Mm. I could risk my life for my belief that music can change humanity and build peace in a way that's profound and affordable. And when I came home from that, I had an utter meltdown Mm -hmm. because I literally didn't know how to live after that moment, after going to Iraq in 2005 and doing that project and even now my current things like my global rhythm sangha and the shift network these are all these all come from that seed of self-transformation coming home and needing a whole month to integrate the fact that it happened the fact that people were loving each other after five days they began as enemies and after five days they were crying to have to say goodbye to each other these are arab men which never happens and my own sort of internal shift was this feeling of like, you know, compassion, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. That means that, you know, passion, that I had this adoration, this love for people I was afraid of, you know, became my friends, became my music partners mm-hmm. in a way that music bonds us deeper than words. Oh, and the words are important, but the music bond provides a bridge that the words can uh, happen after we've made these kind of musical rhythmical connections.
0: Oh, I love that. We have, a, we have a phrase in our work with The Naked Voice, which is that we're accessing a wisdom that is older and deeper than the polarity of all conflict. And that's what I hear you tell oh. Out. You know, that's where we're going, isn't it? We're going actually beneath somewhere. We're going somewhere we've never been, you know, and somewhere certainly our, our polarized, dualistic education hasn't been able to teach us about because it's all about right and wrong, good and bad, you know, win and lose, and all of that. And what your reminding us so deeply and we know this in ourselves certainly having worked in Ireland with the baron drum you know the the frame drum there and just hearing it there it just as you say it just disappears the inauthentic conflict doesn't it because you need the conflict as in creative conflict because you've got to be able, you know because it's more and more mesmerizing and unifying the more sort of you have to give, lend your intention and your focus and your commitment to the beat and to different beats and to off beats that you have to be able to brace a wider and wider and wider spectrum of rhythm. You know, which basically is your saying embraces a wider and wider spectrum of human beings. Somebody in India, I remember said to me, concentration brings devotion. Concentration. Brings devotion, and that's what I've witnessed with you. Is you inspire people to concentrate, to remember themselves through the beat, and then that brings the devotion. Mm. Um,
1: Well, I love that you brought up Ireland because I've been loving the jigs. Its transmission most certainly comes from something joyful in nature. You just feel like dancing when you hear. So much of us are in 4-4 in the West, and in Europe, the African cultures, the pagan cultures, and people who are very connected to the earth, Cuban, is all in 6-8, and um, I really love playing in 6-8, it pushes me. I listen to it. I'm I'm very careful about my consciousness because I love when you said widen our scope of rhythm. You know, because it's one thing we can do is we can just challenge ourselves to listen to things that are not our home comfort zone. Oh, that made my body do something different or my hands do something different, and it's just it's great to talk with you about this because that's the other thing that helped me when I came back from Iraq and I was having such a meltdown is I had to seek out mentors. Cameron Powers and Christina Sofia, the founders of musical Ambassadors of Peace. They were so helpful. Arthur Hall, Mickey Hart. I had to talk to people Mm -hmm. like yourself. I should have called you. Because, you know, people who could understand when we have these experiences, they're precious. They're painful and precious. And then you know you are transforming because... Something You can't live your normal life anymore. You've become suddenly more conscious Thanks. of more than just your life, more about the world's life. And what a blessing to mm. continue to bring sound and poetry and art mm-hmm. into the field of peacemaking that tends to get a little didactic, that reminding us
0: that this is heart work. Oh, God, this this is so beautiful. This is really so beautiful. I'm just really reminded of so many situations I've been in where that dissolving into unity with others is literally on the front line in Northern Ireland with the Dalai Lama when he was coming to the peace talks basically and it was really looking at how the Protestants and the and the Catholics could communicate with each other better. And we were in the pouring rain in a car park somewhere that had to be absolutely equidistant between the Catholic community and the Protestant community. So there we were in the pouring rain and I remember I was there with Tim Wheater and a whole group of a whole group of us and this beautiful Celtic singer Deirdre Nishineda and We were just singing. I was thinking, what can we chant? What can we chant together? There's about 5,000 people there. What can we chant that everybody will immediately resonate with? So we talked to Tara Mantra. Tara, of course, being the sacred hill of Ireland, as well as being the goddess of compassion in the Buddhist world. Wow. And I remember having these security guards, and they said, Chloe, just to let you know um, that, you know, as soon as they open the peace gates, because there's a big wall, big barrier that was a wall between the two communities. And when what they call noble people come to to visit, the big peace doorway is opened. And then through it comes the Dalai Lama with the two major leaders of the Protestant and Catholic Church. They both had beards. And this is important. They came up onto the stage, and we're all just chanting Om Tare tu Tare Ture Soham Om Tare Tare, and we were singing this now to the whole group. And what they told me was, they said, "Chloe, as soon as we open the gates, it's possible that the children from the opposing sides will start throwing stones at each other. And then, but they might be start throwing stones at you. But don't worry, we can get you out here. We can get you out of here in twenty minutes." <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So, but what happens, of course, is exactly what you've been describing is that those gates open. And in fact, it was quite biblical because the rain stopped, the sun comes out. All these children that were supposed to be throwing stones at each other, everybody had heard the music and they related to it because that nature, you know, the Celtic mother mountain, Tara, is something that everybody could buy into. Um, It was just extraordinary. And children were just singing in my face. There were people who were like victims of the war in wheelchairs and everybody was really come really close into the stage, just like you're describing, like one big family and everybody got it. And then the Dalai Lama gets up on the stage with these two guys and he has the presence of mind to take their beards and he takes their beards. So he's one in his right hand and the other in his left hand. They're standing on both sides of him and he bangs their heads against his with the beards, pulling their beards towards his head and banging them three times. And then he's just roaring with laughter. And then he goes, he said, I can understand, he said, why, you know, you have different religions maybe opposing each other. He said, but when you're the same religion, (laughs) how can you possibly oppose it? Anyway, so, and that was just brilliant, you know, and, and the music went on, you know. It was an extraordinary moment. I haven't thought about that for a while, but you're really reminding me. We've trodden quite similar pathways, I realize. There's so much more I want to know about what you were like as as a young child and then as a teenager and how this understanding came through your everyday life and through the, if it was anything like mine, the kind of constrictions of a kind of traditional musicality that nevertheless, it did give us incredible tools. But like you, I had to go off to Africa and, and, and India to find myself, to find... Mm-hmm. The musical philosophy that really did speak to me, which is the unchanging note, so that's like the sa or the do of, of the tonic note of the scale, which is just yes. an unchanging sound, which in a way relates to your unchanging, this recurring rhythmic pulse uh, yes. that you create with your with your communities of sound. Wow, there is so much more to share, and I feel we've just opened the door on this conversation around compassion and its expression through the drum and its capacity to just remind us who we really are, you know, as human beings.
1: Mm. Well, I wanted to end with a poem because one way I've integrated these depth of sonic experiences, multicultural experiences, uh, consciousness of compassion. Also, I love Chantara, the goddess of compassion, and... You know, self-compassion, compassion for others, compassion for the world. And this is the poem I wrote, little short poem I wrote in working with the refugee women from Iraq. Musicians know the note that lights the fire. Musicians know the note that lights the fire. The breath that fans the flames is the same as the one that sings the song. So we gather around to imbibe the warmth of rhythms in a holy blaze arising from Syrian tunes to Iraqi beats, the voices of women who hunger for a taste of their tradition in the embers of remembering the music that takes them home. So you just continue to light that fire? Oh, God bless you, Christine. Thank you for interviewing me, Chloe. Thank you so much for your program and your work and the way that the voice and the drum we always joke about this, but it's really true. They're the two human instruments, the resonance and the entrainment and the voice and the drum. It's what, what our human body is biologically wired for. And so I always feel a beautiful sisterhood when we connect, that we're oh. connecting our work in the world and we're connecting this to anyone listening to remember that we are the voice and we are the beat.
0: Beautiful. Well, I bow to that and bless you, Christine. Thank you so much for joining us on the Voce Dialogues. Much, much love and to be continued. (laughs) Thank you.